So I have a name for our podcast. What? Are we still doing that? I mean, of course we're still of course, doing that. Because we, the name we have is terrible and we need names. What the name of the podcast should be called I Have Thoughts About Rings of Power. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good name for yes. Is that a good name for a podcast or a good name for an episode? I don't know, but if you look at the percentage of episodes, it's either Arcane or Rings of Power that we've spent the most time on. Just, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You. We have thoughts about fantasy TV. We have thoughts. Before we get into our thoughts about mm-hmm. Rings of Power, there was a giant food heist this last week, at least at time of recording. Many, many of you, far too many to name, have sent this to me. Wow, massive food um, heist. Yes. Okay. So. Is it fall themed? I'm hoping for a fall themed food heist. It's not really. You need it's to find meat. us some pumpkin pies. No, no one's stealing pumpkins, but if we assume like a gigantic tailgate party is going down somewhere. Okay, okay. Um, I can go with that. A backyard yeah. cookout of some kind. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So someone, three someones, mm-hmm. have been stealing meat across the Midwest. Okay. And the initial investigation thought that this was a million dollars worth of meat. Wow. They eventually uncovered more than 45 thefts across six states, totaling more than $9 million worth of meat. Wow. So is this like steak or is it just all kinds of meat? It doesn't say. It just says meat. So I assume it's all kinds of meat. Every article about it has pictures of hamburger patties, but they look like very... Stock photo yeah. pictures of hamburger patties, so I don't know. So is, tell me this, is cattle rustling a meat heist? Is cattle rustling a meat heist? Yeah. Are these modern day cowboys? Boy. Well, you know, I bandits. Don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We have to assume some level of intention behind yeah. the theft, uh-huh. right? Yep. So like... Does it matter if you steal the meat when it's still walking around on its own? (laughs) Or does it not become food until it's been processed? I would argue that it is not yet food. Okay. I don't want to get into a position, Mm -hmm. and maybe this is not where your brain went, but this is where my brain went. I don't want to set a precedent where every kidnapping is potentially a food heist because we don't know if they're cannibals or not. Dan, (laughs) you are a weird dude. (laughs) Uh, okay, that is yeah. not where my mind went. So, there that's, you go. Uh, that's uh, okay. Okay, so we're pretending that rather than being like rogue vegetarians trying to prevent meat from entering the system, these are indeed tailgaters. They might be. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's been a lot of high-profile vegan protests in the yes. news lately, mm-hmm. but those have all been like sit-ins in grocery stores rather than actual heists of it. I think that they would understand that stealing the meat just increases the demand through laws of supply and demand and that their goal would be Mm -hmm. to reduce demand and therefore... Well, reduce demand by some means other than flooding supply. Yes, I suppose. Like vegans are not going to be like, oh, you want beef, huh? You flood supply, it doesn't actually reduce demand. Right? It just, no, it just will reduce the cost. Yes. So Yeah. So here's my favorite part of this story mm-hmm. is, first of all, it never says, like we mentioned, yes. what kind of meat is being stolen. Mm-hmm. And it never says what the meat is going to be used for. But then at the end, it also says, there was no information on what will be done with the meat. <laughs> so like, mm, this yeah. reporter was really concerned that they found $9 million worth of hamburger patties. 
and did not invite him to the cookout. So yep, yep. I mean, if you're gonna have stolen meat, it's got to be some sort of underground, you know, ring. You know, you're not tailgating just like yeah. the the Broncos game, right? You're tailgating something else nefarious. Like <laughs> maybe this is just. For the food heist buffet where they're, you know, they're getting together for their annual food heisters conference. This and, is the Death Eaters yeah. tailgate party mm-hmm. at the Quidditch match. There you go. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, again, jokes aside, we have to assume that when someone steals $9 million worth of meat, that they are selling it black market to outlets of some kind. Yes. These are all going into hospitality industry at massive scale. Which means that I am actually really interested for this investigation to follow through and find the buyers. Yeah, yeah, because it'll tell us something who they sold to, Yeah, right? Because the people they sold to are the ones that don't ask too many questions about where their meat comes from. (laughs) And, you know, I'm not going to be as worried if someone's not asking detailed questions about where their gnocchi comes from. Mm -hmm. But if they're not asking where their meat comes from... They're not asking about the meat. Also, let's give some credit to them because... Mm -hmm. This is real meat. Like, if McDonald's turns out to be the one buying all of this meat, I have to completely change my opinion of their only semi-food hamburger patties, right? See, you say that. I don't like McDonald's hamburgers. I will join you with that. Yeah. But I've lived in a country where it's not illegal to sell meat that is mixed with, um, usually they're using onion or things like this. And we joke about McDonald's. There's a law. These have to be 100% beef. I've had burgers that are 30% beef, <laughs> and you can tell. Yeah. They aren't necessarily bad. And it's not like it's something nefarious. Just yeah. Everyone knows low-quality hamburgers are going to have a lot of, a uh, lot of onion. or It's not sawdust. No, it's I a, know. Yeah. And I shouldn't make fun because, yeah. like, meatballs and meatloaf yes. and so on, we do yep. that all the time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yes, there you go. Well... I have a question from one of the Brandon Sanderson subreddits for you. Okay. I am is so excited. Mistborn a food heist? Because part of Mistborn is about stealing various high value metals that you then eat and use for magical powers. Yes, but mm-hmm. here we're getting into intention again. Mm-hmm. I would not say that okay. Mistborn is a food heist okay. because it's not explicitly a food. Yes. The person who steals it is going to ingest it, but it is not itself a food, even though it eventually gets eaten. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay, so you're saying, like, if I like to chew on pens and I steal pens, it's not a food heist. Exactly. Okay. Good question from the subreddit, by the way. Mm -hmm. Thumbs up on that one. Very good question. I thought it was amusing to read. Also, the deeper I get into Stormlight Archive, the Mm -hmm. more I realize that there is some level of food heist in almost every one of these books that I just never realized was there. Lyft, of course, Lyft, of course is constantly is food heisting. Is she heisting? Uh, but even she Shallan just... in Oathbringer, yeah. Shallan gets into food heist territory. Lyft is more like food thievery of opportunity, food pickpocketing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Food pickpocketing, is that a thing? I mean, she has like... Edge Dancer's 60,000 words, 70,000 yes. words, mm-hmm. and it is her stated goal the entire time to steal pancakes. It is, that's, that's true. That is a food heist. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not a, an organized food heist, but it mm-hmm. is definitely a carefully, at least intentioned food heist. Maybe not a good planned food heist. <laughs> yeah, it's Lyft. So the plan is not, not necessarily the key point of her narrative, but yes. Mm-hmm. All right. So 
Rings of Power. Rings of Power. Have we have so many thoughts. It. I have finished it. I, I have also finished it. Four episodes in one sitting so that I could finish it. Holy cow. Yes. And they are long. I give them credit for that. Like several of them I watched were 70 minutes, which is, I like seeing that personally, the non standard lengths. When I look at a season of a show and some of them are 70 minutes, some of them are 50 minutes, some of them are this, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, they're just telling the story the way they think it is best. With still some constraints, like they can't yes. go, you know, yes. three hours. Well, and, like and we got to give credit to mm-hmm. the writers of all of these streaming services for figuring out how to do that well. Yes. Because the early couple years of stream native TV shows yeah. were paced really poorly because they had freedom and they didn't know how to right. use it. Or well, they were yet. just pacing just like network television. Stranger yeah. Things did that first mm-hmm. season. You'll notice that they have commercial breaks almost and things like that. You can like, tell they're following that yeah. exact kind of five-act TV mm-hmm. drama. I wish that Stranger Things, frankly, had stuck with that model mm. because they don't know how to pace. But Amazon has always been very good at it. And I think everyone has kind of figured out how to do it well. Yes. So, yes, I agree with you. I like seeing the non-standard run times. Mm-hmm. So what are your general thoughts, having watched season one of Rings of Power? Having watched it all. Mm -hmm. Boy, my thoughts are mixed. Okay. I still like the show a lot. Okay. I think it did a lot of dumb things. Mm. I think it did a lot of goofy things. I think that it tried way too hard to go way too deep into fan service. Mm. Like, and we talked about this, I think, in our last episode, that season one did not need to be the origin story of every single element of Middle Earth, right? And that's what they tried to do in the end. That said, I did enjoy it a lot, and I am excited for season two. Okay. As you might expect from my previous episodes talking, I am not as high on it as you are. Mm -hmm. My end opinion of it was a meh. I thought it was fairly mediocre. Some strong elements, some very weak elements that I think are towing it down. And the good elements were mostly bungled, I felt. (laughs) Right? Yeah. The big one for me is the Harfoots. The Harfoots, I feel, were just utterly bungled. And my feeling on this is that I can feel what they probably should have been doing and at least in one draft probably we're doing which is Mm -hmm. this is the more lighthearted side of this we want you to walk out of this loving the harfoots and understanding why not gandalf has a bond with the hobbits yeah many hundreds of years later Mm -hmm. and if you look at what they say that all works no one walks alone in the end we will do what's right you know and help the stranger like all of that stuff, but the bulk of their text, like in these last episodes, there was a woman who comes to the guy in charge and says, it's time to execute them. Let's take their wheels and make them die, right? Like, what are you thinking? Yeah. We do not need hobbits talking about murdering other hobbits. (laughs) And this is our second time. Yeah. Like, and it's so baffling. And then they only accept the stranger in after he proves useful. There's no big heartedness to that. 
That is pure utilitarianism, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, if he's useful to us, and then in the last episodes, they're like, all right, we'll go help your friend. Like, why? You haven't built to this. There's nothing, Yeah, you they, know. They, that big heartedness does come out at the end because they're yes. like, you know what? He's one of us now. We're going to stick with him. It's they, they, completely They didn't establish unearned. that yeah. properly. Completely unearned. Nori is delightful. Nori yeah. is great all the way through. And I see in her narrative a built-in sort of, I don't know, this is what it should have been. I wanted, looking in retrospect... Episodes one or two, she hides the stranger. Mm -hmm. Episode three or four, you know, they are very worried about the stranger. They talk amongst themselves. They decide to leave him behind, but then they can't do it, right? Mm -hmm. Because they are kind-hearted, and yeah. he's one of them. Not because he's useful. Not because he has magical powers. Mm -hmm. They bring him along. Near the end, he does this thing with the magic that they're all scared of. But then they still welcome him in, reaffirming, you know, maybe he runs off on his own because he's scared of what he might have done to them. And they all band together and say, no, he's one of us. We need to protect him. Right. And mm -hmm. then go after him. That's the arc. That's so easy. Yeah. It's so simple. It's it so obvious. Like such an, and I would even add to that. Yes. I want a moment in there somewhere mm -hmm. where he does something or he is menaced by something and they realize that. He's more like them than they give yes. him credit yeah. for. He's not exactly. the big giant monster. Part of it is we're good people. We're going to help him. But also mm -hmm. it's, oh, there's this bridge of understanding between us. And you need to cut the whole thing of leaving Nori's family behind. That's mm -hmm. just ridiculous. But, you know, like this seems the most obvious plot in the whole thing. And a surefire crowd pleaser. Yeah. And makes us love the Harfoots as we should. They don't need to be shades of gray. Everyone else can be. That's mm -hmm. the, we don't need grim dark hobbits. We really do we not really need grim dark hobbits. Need the grim dark hobbits. Okay, so while we're talking about the Harfoots, yes, mysterious stranger, not mm -hmm. Gandalf. Yeah, what are your thoughts on him? Is he I, okay. Saruman? So I think the most interesting choice is still to make him Saruman. I don't think that they will do it, and I kind of admit that maybe at this point they shouldn't main reason being that his arc for the last several episodes is am i a good person or not mm -hmm. he then affirms and decides he is a good person and so if that is saruman then his arc is completely undermined and ruined because we know he will come <laughs> back and burn down the hobbit villages yeah right the scouring mm -hmm. of the shire is a thing and so once you have made someone's arc, am I good or not? I suppose like it would be more interesting to be, no, I'm not good. But the problem is he has to be good in the middle. It's all messy and things like this. And so at the end of the day, they've cast someone who looks like Gandalf. Mm -hmm. They have gone to great lengths to build a bond between him and hobbits. Yeah. It probably just should be Gandalf. And if it's not Gandalf, probably. I'm going to be worried. Because I think in a previous episode, I talked about the Spock factor, that anytime, you know, something to do with Star Trek is having troubles, they bring in Spock or a Vulcan to be like, this will fix it. It's either mm -hmm. that or they bring in Worf, right? Yeah. I'll just be constantly worried. Oh, their ratings are slipping. They'll use Gandalf. They'll, you know, go drive a dump truck of money up to Ian McKellen and be like, please do a cameo. And that's worse. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah. what are your thoughts? Mostly the same. Like they had an opportunity. First of all, he seemed to gain the powers of speech remarkably quickly. He held a staff. I'm okay with that. Okay. Right? Like in my head, their power is so tied to staffs. Something's wrong with how he's landed. He doesn't have a staff. He doesn't have and a support he structure. Gets one and he, he gets just... one and it, uh, okay. it helps. That's my that, headcanon. That's your headcanon for yes. it. They had a moment, they had an opportunity to make him more gray. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. They went so hard in that final episode on, look, the Harfoots are super good and also he is super good. Mm-hmm. And if they had kept him kind of in the middle of, yeah, you know, I am going to save you because these guys are evil, not yeah. necessarily because I am a good right. and wonderful person. Yes then I would be all aboard the Saruman train. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm thinking the same. I think it's kind of got to be Gandalf or... Radagast is an acceptable option. If the Hobbit movies hadn't ruined Radagast, <sighs> then Radagast could be an interesting option. Yeah, I don't want him to go Radagast. I would mm-hmm. rather them do like Palando or one of really? the other out of okay. nowhere is starry. Just because I keep wanting them to explore more interesting ideas instead Mm of you know seeing Boba Fett as a child and whatever kind of nonsense that prequels always do yes but that's what they're doing I will say okay if he's Gandalf Mm -hmm. because he is an excellent actor for Gandalf yeah I think that there are more interesting directions they could have taken but if they decide to make him Gandalf I am at peace with that decision yeah now I want to ask you about the at this point, we basically have to call them ring wraiths, the three people in white who show up. Yeah. I was kind of disappointed to see that they were ring wraiths, and they went hard on them being ring they wraiths. They did. I thought they were super cool villains, though. I liked them. I did, too. So in the first, or uh, the last episode, or whatever it is, where they said, we've come to you, Lord Sauron, right? Mm-hmm. My son who was sitting down is like, oh, you were wrong, dad. And I'm like, no, this proves that I'm right. That's <laughs> them saying it at the start of the episode means it, that obviously it's, it's not obviously him. not. Yeah. Him. And like narrative structure wise, I had never for a moment thought that he was Sauron. But as soon as they said that, then I'm like, oh, well, there we yeah. go. And then my brain started to say, they're only here to provide a red herring. And so... I do like them. They were cool. But I asked my Tolkien fan brother-in-law, who I've misquoted before, and I apologize to him on that. He's told me things that were right, and I misquoted them wrong mm. on the podcast. But And I said, do you have any idea who these are? And he's like, I have no idea. He's like, it's totally possible this is something from the lore that I'm not familiar yeah. with, but I am at a loss at trying to figure out who these might be. Well, see, I was happy mm-hmm. for them to just be like rando human sorcerers mm-hmm. and is there such a thing in middle earth yeah i think so i don't know i mean there is enough of the uh little bits of lore we get about the uh, very poorly named what they call the black numenorians uh-huh to suggest that there is some level of non-istari magic user okay. in the world And I would be more than happy for that to be what they were. Mm -hmm. I can understand why they wanted to make them ring wraiths because there's nine ring wraiths 
and this is a nice shortcut to fill out the nine, right? I think. Oh, you think for, that they are some of these kings that are going to become ray great? I, I just do. assumed that the showing it was like they are like the ghosts and the ring wraiths and things. <laughs> and yes, it was very hard into evoking that imagery mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah, but. I didn't see them actually being ring wraiths. I thought they're just like, well, we need imagery that says this is an undead creature. Yeah. The trouble is nothing about this show has convinced me mm-hmm. that they are willing to color outside the lines. And so okay. they need a bunch of bad guys. The Nazgul are a bunch of bad guys. So that's who they're going to use. Okay. I will be curious if you're right. I think this is a cool theory. Yeah. It didn't enter my mind. In my mind, these are some weird Istari, Istari, whatever. These are some weird, you know, mm-hmm. mythological things, or they were creations of evil that had originally been like moths or something, because Gandalf turns them back into moths at the end, mm-hmm. that had been brought to life by Sauron during, or Morgoth during his reign, and, you know, they were something yeah. like that. I mean, they obviously weren't very smart, because, yeah. for instance, they're looking for Gandalf, they find a bunch of hobbits who have been hanging out with him, and then they don't interrogate them, right? Mm-hmm. And beyond that, if you're mistaking Gandalf for Sauron, then, you know, like, we weren't fooled. <laughs> so the fact that they were doesn't speak highly for their, uh, yeah. yes, their powers of observation, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So... Just to put the final ring mm-hmm. on the theory here. Yes. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. I do suspect that a lot of what we're going to see over the course of the series yeah. is the corruption of certain men into becoming the nine Nazgul. I agree with you on that. And I am very excited to see that. Mm-hmm. Theo, the yes. teenage boy, mm-hmm. he is my favorite character in the show mm-hmm. at this point. He's the most interesting one with the most interesting arc. Maybe him and maybe some of these other like okay. kind of dirtbag guys might end up in that position. I but think, also, I do think they're going to use people like yeah. this to to fill out. That, that would group. be smart. I think Theo is the ghost king who betrays Isildur and gets cursed personally because he having a a relationship with Galadriel now and can kind of, they can jump forward a few years mm-hmm. and he can be a soldier and things like that and trying to reclaim his land and work, you know, with the real Numenorians yeah. and things like that because we know that they're going to obviously have the betrayal of Isildur and, you know, those guys coming back and saving you know, everyone yeah. at the end is a nice redemption story. So that's going to be somebody. So it's either Isildur's buddy or it's <laughs> Theo, right? Or it's Theo. It doesn't have to be. Maybe they'll introduce some new characters in the next seasons. But that's my early bet on Theo is that because I think they're revoking Ring Wraith too hard on him. And one thing we know about the showrunners is they love red hair. Love to fake you out. Yes, they do. So. Yep. All right, so we've covered my biggest grievance. Okay. Do we want to talk about your biggest grievance and then talk about the things we both like the most and then kind of move on from yeah, there? Yeah, let's, let's do that. Okay, so um, your biggest grievance and then be thinking of the thing you liked the most. My biggest grievance, and this is such a dumb one to mm-hmm. pull out because every show has done this. Game of Thrones did this. They all do this. 
time and space are apparently meaningless in this universe. And this is one of the very first things we complained about. Mm -hmm. And then we got to this point where, you know, the people from Numenor ride into battle to save this one random village from orcs and they just happened to get there they Mm -hmm. sailed on what was it like six or seven boats that apparently had hundreds of horses oh we were laughing about that (laughs) so much because they said we're going to bring 500 people and as they were sailing out i said how many people you count on those boats and we like this is part of the problem i was laughing too much at the Mm -hmm. show to give it a higher, like I ended up, I'm like, I'm six out of 10, right? Yeah. I was laughing at it too much to give it anything higher than that. Like they showed the one horse being craned over. I'm like, all right, where are the rest of the horses? And then they go below decks and there's no horses. There's no horses below deck. Yes. Somebody, somebody, I saw this, I think on Reddit, mm-hmm. maybe it was Twitter, drew a diagram of what the boats must look like. Yes. And they were these little, you know, those dumb little kind of Viking longship things Mm -hmm. that they ride around in with this gargantuan like balloon under the water (laughs) that had 500 horses and all of these things and armor and spears and everything else. It is ridiculous that that's what they took to cross the sea. It is ridiculous that they got where they needed to go, that they showed up coincidentally at that point at that time for absolutely no reason. And... They show a cavalry charge to get there. Yeah. I mean, this was ridiculous on the level of having a cavalry charge into darkness Mm -hmm. in Game of Thrones, right? Like, so they land. They don't know this pace is being attacked. Yeah. They have no idea. They ride their horses in full armor at a gallop to get to a place they don't know is under attack. Mm-hmm. Number one, you just can't do that, even if they were under attack. Your horses yeah. would arrive useless. Um, they wouldn't be able to do anything. And now, there's things that could have been done. We could yes. have seen some level of investigation. Yes. They could have spent one extra episode with them like riding around, finding those tunnels that the orcs yeah. were digging, doing things like that, following clues, yes. so that then they arrive at the right place at the right time in a believable way. Right. You know, get us a horn getting blown that is yeah. like the horn. So I got to say, since we're on ridiculous military tactics, okay, mm-hmm. what do you think about leaving your fortification behind with walls and towers to go to a village to hold off an invading army, a village with holes in the ground that that army came out of. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that as a, as a tactical decision? Well, I think that, I, I mean, time and space are meaningless. And so I have no way of knowing for sure. But I thought that that was a different village and they didn't know that there were holes in the ground. No, that's their home. Was it their home? I thought they went to that's some other home. Absolutely their home. They snuck past an army going to their thing. It's the same holes. It's the same village. They leave their fortification because they're like, well, that tower might fall down. That's mm-hmm. never been established that it might fall down before, as I recall. Maybe it was earlier. No, it wasn't. Aaron Deer looks up at the thing. Yes. And he gets this gleam in his eye. Yes. And apparently we're supposed to connect all the dots and say, ah, he's come up with the foolproof plan of killing maybe a quarter of them if in, that many. by destroying their fortress. So from a very bad narrative perspective, they Uh had to leave that fortress because that fortress had the special 
thing in it that unlocks the deal and destroys yes, the, the thing. Yes, they did. Which is, A, a ridiculous thing in the first place because yes. who builds the special... We create Mordor weapon. The self-destruct the dam button. Like don't, no don't dam you know? has ever been built with a self-destruct button. And then creates a weird mystical artifact to act as a key to it. Okay, I, mean, I want to ask you about they're that. They're doing this all the time, you know. Okay. I mean, this is so. This yeah. is a summonable sword. Yes. That is thrust into a stone keyhole. Oh, cool! And opens up. Someone is, should use that. Yeah. Mm, do, yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. suspect that that was inspired by the Oath Gates at all? I don't know. I didn't see that, but if hmm. it was, then I'm honored yeah. to have been so inspiring as I rag on their decision. Like, <laughs> look, having a magical doomsday device sort of thing, okay. Right. All right. Sauron mm. in the past built this thing because the river wasn't dammed yet and they needed to dam the river to get enough water to cause the eruption that he wants to cause. And he can't release it until there are pits dug in specific places. So he puts his plan into motion to gather up the water, build me a dam, then dig these channels while the water is filling up. Then we'll let loose the big torrent of water and we have the mountain. And that will create a giant volcanic eruption yes. in Mount Doom. It's a little bit Dr. Evil, right? It's mm -hmm. a little bit, here's my really weird, intricate plan. I can buy that in a fantasy story, right? Yeah. What I don't buy is you have a bunch of untrained peasants, right? Well, one thing we know is if you have untrained peasants, fortifications are a force multiplier for them, right? Yes. If all they have to do is shove ladders and don't have to actually fight, they become super effective compared mm -hmm. to putting them in ranks in front of orcs and telling them to fight. Yeah. It's so ridiculous now, that... Now, as ridiculous as the entire yes. premise may be, mm -hmm. I will say that the defense of and invasion of that village is my favorite fight scene across all eight episodes. Okay. Them kind of doing their whole little guerrilla warfare, archers on the thatched roofs, you know, we're going to send little burning carts down. Like it was a believably desperate defense put on by one fighter and a bunch of peasants. Okay. And I liked that whole sequence. I liked how they thought they won, and then there was a second invasion. Now, that was good. And what made that really good was that they were using their own people against them. And so it's reasonable that they're at an equal skill level and that our side could win, right? The same argument I was making before actually applies well to this one, because if you've got a bunch of untrained peasants fighting each other, yeah, they're not going to know to form battle ranks, and they yeah. don't. And, mm -hmm. and that part was good. I will say this. This was the most grimdark episode. And we had members of my audience watching it grow nauseous and have to leave. Mm. And so if you're going to have gruesome. a TV yeah. 14 show, I don't mind if you, you know, there are MA shows out there. If you're going to have a TV 14 show, do we need pulling the stick out of an orc's eye while he bleeds onto your face? Yeah. Levels of gore. I think they went too far. As someone who, in his books, I feel has gone yeah. too far before. Um, for, I will agree yeah. with that. Given the rating mm -hmm. that they were aiming for, I think they yeah. overshot it. Also, part of this sequence, I really loved the fake out with the old man mm -hmm. being given the sword. Yes. That worked really well for me. And also, 
Adar or whatever his name is. He's a highlight. He's really good. He's great. Yep. And he's apparently Benjen Stark from Game of Thrones, which I didn't realize. But the whole conversation he has with everybody while he's like, Mm-hmm. You know, trying to get them to give up the sword. And then yep. when he's captured mm-hmm. and Galadriel is talking to him, that worked really well for me. It is. It's one of the highlights of the show. His, at the end, his very final line when she's like about to kill him and then says something nasty mm-hmm. and calls him an orc. And he's like, Uruk. Yep. That's the best line delivery across all eight episodes. It was wonderful. And we're going to have to do two episodes on this, We are. We're going to have to come back next week. So we're going to be doing two episodes on Rings of Power's ending. This is everything wrong with Rings of Power, and next week we'll talk about good stuff about Rings of Power. And more of what I feel is wrong. And more of what we think is wrong about Rings of Power. next week will be a lot of the good things, Mm -hmm. because I do think there's some good things. We're talking about one now. Yeah. Eddar was great. He was. I was uncertain about the, you know... You're building sympathy for him, but he makes a man murder a random child. But then I, after I put together the plan of, no, you're planning to entrust this guy with the, the sword. Mm-hmm. You need to know that guy's not a spy. Yeah. How do you make sure he's not a spy? You see what he does when you make him kill one of his own. Well, and even that, yeah, I love the way it was handled. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it is dark and terrible, yeah. but the scene cuts away. Yes. And you don't know what's happened. Until you see that old man yes. in the ranks marching on the fortress, and you're like, "Oh, yep." Now I know the kid died. Yep. And then when he, you know, comes out, he's he's gotten yep. the sword from Theo, and he mm-hmm. says, "Old man, I've got a job for you." And then mm-hmm. we don't see him again for like 45 minutes. Yep. And then he is the one that creates Mordor. Yeah. So well done. I loved it so much. We'll get into more Sauron stuff next time. But since we're talking about good things here, mm-hmm. the scene where Sauron says, do you recognize me? And he's like, no. It's trying to imply that, you know, Halbrand lost family to this guy. Mm-hmm. After that scene, I said to Emily, that was a really good scene because he's still Sauron. I'm almost 100% sure of it. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is they're establishing he's mad at this guy because this guy betrayed him and that he has a new face. And they did that while actually, to most audiences, implying this guy killed his family yeah. and he's mad at him for that reason. And so they got two crucial bits of foreshadowing in with a really nice red herring. That's their best red herring moment. Really well done. Much better than the Lord Sauron. Like That moment was excellently executed. Mm-hmm. I was really pleased with it. I'll just say that. And it, was, it, it involves so Eddar again. And yeah. I still really like Halbrand. I think some goofy choices were made with Halbrand, but I really like Halbrand and Sarad. Yeah. We'll talk about this next time. It's my favorite, maybe my favorite thing about the show. Is Halbrand. Is, I'll save it. It's a tie. We'll, we'll my save favorite it. things we'll are a tie. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Yeah. All right. Time what and else? space. Any other stuff on time and space? Any other stuff? Um, on time and space being meaningless. They're playing really fast and loose with how much time is passing. Like mm-hmm. the Harfoots march with Gandalf for what looks like months. Probably wasn't, but it's at least implied weeks. Yeah. And at the same time, in the defense of the village and stuff, can't have been weeks, right? And how long is it? I mean, the only way the timeline makes sense at all is if things that look like they are happening concurrently are not. Which is fine. You can get away with that. 
I will give them that. The other major complaint about time and space being meaningless mm-hmm. is Halbrand has a wound so severe we cannot cure him here. We are going to have to do several weeks of hard riding on horseback to get to the elves. I had a snicker I'm sure at that. that won't yeah. aggravate your wound in any well, way. Well, that's another one when he was in there wounded. And I'm like, I'm going to have to take him to the elves. That's how he gets there. And I got it just right before they said it. I felt so cool because I've been wondering the whole time. All right. Yeah. I would not have gone so far as to forge any rings in this season with the things that they're trying to do. Oh, yeah. But I knew that they had to, that there Mm -hmm. was some mandate from an executive that says we need to see rings forged. And so I'm like, how are they going to get Halbrand up there? I know he has to be involved. That's the whole story is he tricked them into forging rings. And then he's wounded, and I'm like, ah, that's ah, how they're going to do it. They, they're going to do it. And um, then they put him on a horse and rode him for like six days or whatever, and I'm like, mm. I mean, all the way from the southern lands to the Grey Havens, yeah. that is like Florida to Salt Lake City. Oh, is it? That is a long, long way. Oh, okay. I thought I've, they said like six days. I've in seen the, some maps yeah. overlaying various continents with Middle Earth. It was a long way. So I stayed away from reading any threads or any commentary on this until I finished the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't seen a lot of these things, but that's hilarious. Oh, this wasn't in response to the show. This okay. is just me being okay. a nerd. I assumed that you'd been there. The past. Were, there were fandoms. All right. Well, we're going to come back next week and we'll talk good things and then more of my bad things. We'll also talk about bad things, but we'll also talk about good things. How's that, Ben? <laughs>